Ronaldo vai partir para a bola, Ronaldo, Ronaldo vai partir, paradinha, atirou, golo! Já está! Já está! Já está! Hello and welcome to Portugal Podcast 94. Today we will be focusing mainly on what can be considered the match of the season in Portugal as Bayern Munich come to town on Wednesday. I'm talking about the town of Porto, of course, and our man at the Estadio de Dragão will be Portuguese coach, journalist and walking football encyclopedia Vasco Mota Pereira. Uh, as usual, Vasco jo- joins me now. Hi there, Vasco. How are you? Hi, Tom. I'm, I'm very well, thank you. You? Yeah, all good. All good here. Looking forward to uh, a big week. Yeah. Portuguese <laughs> football, yeah. That's <laughs> big, for sure. Yeah, it's actually a big couple of weeks, as, uh, as we'll be talking about. Uh, we're going to talk about the big match in a while, but first, it's been a little while since we've had a look at the domestic scene. So I've got a couple of quickies about the Portuguese Primeira Liga for you, Vasco. Uh, first of all, it's looking increasingly like that Benfica-Porto match in a couple of weeks will be the championship decider. Uh, it's been that way, it seems, for a, a few seasons now. Uh, in your opinion, Vasco, will the title winners be decided uh, when the two sides meet at the Estadio de Luz on the 26th of April? Well, I think I think that's a uh, that's always a tough question to answer. As we saw a couple of seasons ago, the classical surely was was decisive, uh, but we would have amounted to nothing if Benfica hadn't tripped against Surreal at home before before the match, before the classical. Yeah, I think um, I think this season's classical at the Luz will be extremely important, uh, uh, but it in, in no small way due to its 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 relevance. I mean, I'm, I know I'm repeating myself, but by that I mean that both teams are so aware that uh, the match will be crucial that the pressure to beat previous and subsequent opponents uh, may play some tricks on their minds. So, so in short, I think the title will only be decided at the Luz if Benfica win. Uh, any other result, I think, will still add a great deal of pressure to both sides. In my yeah, yeah. Of course, if uh, if no team gains or loses any points uh, on the other next week. That means when they go into the game, Port, uh, Benfica will have a three-point mm-hmm. uh, advantage. And if they win, of course, that will go to six. But as well as having a six-point advantage, they'll have the head-to-head advantage. So yeah, it would be yeah. more or less like seven points advantage mm-hmm. with four games to go. So, yeah, I think I agree with you if that... Uh, you can't even see Benfica have had a couple of uh, late collapses, of course, in recent memory, but you can't really see them uh, losing a seven-point advantage in the last four games. No. So, um, anyway, we'll uh, talk about that, no doubt, uh, a little bit nearer to the date. Uh, another thing I'd like to just uh, have your opinion about, uh, how do you assess Sporting's season, and especially the work of Marco Silva, uh, some say he's done as good as he possibly could have been expected to, uh, given the hand he was dealt. Uh, others, they're not quite so sure. They think he's uh, maybe fallen a bit short of uh, what he should have done and what he should have achieved. Uh, what's your view, Vasco? Uh, <laughs> I think I think Marco Silva. I think Marco Silva's work was always cut out for him from the start. Uh, Sporting fared much better than expected last season under Leonardo Jardim, and I think the bar was raised uh, sometimes from within uh, to an almost impossibly high standard. Uh, 
to be honest, I think that in the end, all things considered, Sporting did what they were supposed to do. Uh, their pockets are not as deep as Sports or Benfica's, and they made the most of the two big dogs' uh, blunders in the Portuguese Cup, which means Sporting actually have a chance of winning some silverware, which is hardly irrelevant. Um, on the other hand, I, I for one, must admit I was expecting a bit more from Marco Silva as far as as, as football itself is concerned. I, I, I read the other day on Twitter that Sporting resembled the David Moyes team, uh, just get the ball to the wings and cross, cross, cross. <laughs> and I'm afraid I would have to agree with that assessment. The defense always looked uh, shambolic, and the fault can be exclusively placed uh, upon the players' shoulders, I think. Since it's up to the coach to disguise his team's vulnerabilities and, and, and get them to play in a way that doesn't expose them, which was something Marco Silva failed to do throughout the season. As an outsider, I still believe Sporting were victims of their own success last season, but I think it was a good season overall. They're third, uh, they were third in the Champions League group. Uh, they put in a good fight against Wolfsburg. They're in the Portuguese Cup final. They're in, the, they're in third in the Portuguese uh, league. If Marco Silva can build on that, Sporting will be stronger uh, for sure next season, particularly given the, the disappearing of third-party ownership on the horizon. You talked there, uh, you just alluded to the fact that uh, maybe Marco Silva can build on this next season. Of course, we have to wait and see if he's going to be given the chance to build on it. Yeah, of because, course. Uh, yeah. And also, interesting, I think there, uh, I agree with your point about sporting as well as being a little bit victims of their own success from a, you know the, the, they did far better than anyone expected last season uh, when you just mentioned that they were maybe put a bit put a bit of extra pressure from within and I think uh, the president's uh, I think he's been overall a very good president for sporting but he has made some mistakes and I think one mistake was a uh, saying right at the start of the season that sporting would be challenging for the title because uh, when you have a look at the players, I mean, we can't forget they started the season with a centre-back partnership of Mauricio and Saar. Yeah. And uh, in this second half of the season, Slimani has been uh, you know, injured or unavailable for a lot of it. And so that's also exposed uh, you know, very few high-quality options uh, up front, especially when compared yeah. to Porto and Benfica. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think I'll have to agree with you. It'd be interesting to see what happens uh, at Sporting. I think they're at quite a crucial stage. They could, they have shown signs of uh, improving over recent seasons. And uh, like I say, I do like the president, but uh, he's got some important decisions to make. And I think it will have a big bearing on how Sporting go in the next few seasons. Okay, so uh, let's now move on to the main course uh, of this pod, as it were. Porto against Bayern. First question. Uh, When the draw was made, I think most people agree this was just about the most difficult team Porto could have landed. Uh, But since then, Bayern have been hit by a wave of injuries. Uh, I know you've been tracking the Germans in recent weeks, Vasco. In your opinion, are they a lot weaker now than they usually are? I think let, let me start with this. I think risking calling Bayern a lot weaker is probably the surest way of tempting fate, if you don't mind my saying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, no, all kidding aside, I think it's it's certainly true that uh, they look a bit more brittle than than they did before the winter break. Um, but they still have a strong enough team to make everyone stand up and take notice. I I don't think anyone should dare think that. 
just because they have a few injuries, that Bayern are somehow a, a weak team and getting qualified is certainly doable. Yeah. The one, the one aspect that in my view stands out, uh, is the fact that they lack the one-on-one, uh, wizards, uh, like Robin and Ribéry that complement their possession-based approach, which has been so hard on opponents. Yeah, well, I was just gonna, I was just gonna ask you that actually. They've, of course, Porto have also got some big injuries of their own to contend with. Yeah, uh, yeah. Telio's out, definitely. Jackson, uh, looks like he probably won't play, and even if he does play, he hasn't played for a month, and so there's yeah. no way that he's gonna be 100% fit and sharp. <clears throat> so, uh, what, who do you think out of these missing men, you just mentioned there, Robin and, uh, Ribery, uh, or Telio and Jackson on Porto's side, which missing men will have the most effect, in your opinion? For my money, uh, Telio and Jackson at Porto, no doubt. Uh, particularly because while they have one of the best, the deepest squads from the last couple of decades, Porto cannot afford uh, to play without such important players, without it seriously denting their possibilities. Jackson would, would surely be important, but I think Telio would be absolutely crucial against this opposition, in my opinion. Given his, um, his, his ability to run with the ball at speed and play behind, uh, high defensive lines such as Bayern's. Robin and Ribéry will certainly be missed, but Bayern possess other weapons with which they can hurt Porto, even if they, uh, they may not presently be at their best. I mean, they still have the likes of Lewandowski, Goethe, Müller, or, or Thiago Alcantara, uh, to name a few. Uh, they're not exactly second-rate material. And also, I don't think uh, anyone should ever underrate strong teams that look vulnerable because the main trait of big teams is to exactly is, is exactly to come out on top when it's hardest, whatever it may cost. And just for as an example, I would like to just uh, remind people of Chelsea in 2012 with Roberto De Matteo as caretake manager. Uh, they were going down, the squad was aging, etc., and they won the Champions League. Yeah, 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 good point, that's right, and of course Pep Guardiola, I'm sure he must be quite desperate to succeed in the in the Champions League, yeah. having gone to Bayern, and of course he's done such a fantastic job there domestically, but if he doesn't win the Champions League, I think people may start to question, uh, you know, if he is this, uh, you know, superhuman coach that uh, yeah. he's made out to be. So... Uh, Vasco, you've written a brilliant tactical preview of the game, which uh, is just being posted, by the way, on the site www.portugal.net. Uh, and in the in the preview, uh, when you're talking about the tactics, uh, you explain how Porto face a bit of a quandary in uh, trying to beat Bayern at their own possession-based game, as it were. Or uh, should Porto actually try and change their game plan a bit for this match? Uh, given the strength of the opposition uh, that they're facing. Uh, as a coach, what would you do if you were in Ulan Lopetegui's position and why? There you go, an easy question for you. Uh, I think we're experiencing technical difficulties. <laughs> uh, that's a very, very tough question and a good one, if I may add. Um, everything I may say will, will certainly be tainted by my being sitting uh, by my sitting on the comfort of my chair, which makes everything that much easier. Um, <laughs> so it's unfair on Fulham Lopete. But okay, I believe I would stay true to what I had been working on throughout the season, 
since I don't think football revolves exclusively around tactics. I mean, it might be better to change strategy just for these matches, uh, but I would be sending a huge sign of, of not trusting everything we had worked on over the past few months, uh, risking doubt to settle in the minds of players, and I think that's the worst mindset uh, you can send your players out. I would certainly fine-tune some things, such as uh, relentlessly drilling how to bring the ball out from the back and what to do if the defensive line were under pressure, or maybe change the reaction after giving the ball away, for instance. But I would leave the mainstays, the tactical mainstays, I would leave them intact. I, my mantra would be, win or lose, we're going out, out there as ourselves. I mean, tall and proud. I mean, in my, in my opinion, it seems identity should never be altered, no matter, no matter who your opponents are. Tweaks are certainly welcome, but no more than that. Yeah, yeah. I suppose in one way you can say that uh, in the Champions League, at least, you know, Julian Lopetegui has done pretty well, hasn't he? And it's almost in a kind of no-lose situation, isn't he? Because, OK, if they get knocked out against Bayern Munich, uh, you know, that's no disgrace. Uh, well, that's a bit of an understatement. Of course, most people would be expecting them to be knocked out. And uh, they went through their group uh, pretty serenely. They won it. They looked impressive. Then they... You know, trounced uh, Basel in the last 16 match. So, do you think, in a in a in a kind of sense, uh, this could actually be quite a good draw for Porto, in that they can go into the game a little bit relaxed, at least from the from the point of view that you know they've they've done a good job in the Champions League. Yeah, I there was those were exactly my comments, uh, my in private when 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 I heard about the when I heard about the draw. Uh, because I, I said that it was the best uh, thing that could ever happen to Lopetegui because um, uh, exactly because of what she said. Because if Porto go out, okay, it is to be expected. It's Bayern Munich unless they get positively hammered seven 0 in either leg or something. Um, okay, that's that's uh, n- there's no shame in that. Like you said, Porto are in the eight best teams in the Champions League. Uh, They've been undefeated up up until now. Um, I think it's the best thing that could have happened to Porto because there's zero responsibility, zero expectation. The supporters will be behind their team no matter what uh, because they know just how hard Bayern Munich are. Um, So I think Lopetegui will (laughs) somehow avoid uh, the pressure of actually playing in the highest spheres of the Champions League because... Bayern Munich apart, they haven't played that strong opposition uh, over 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 this season in the Champions League. They've managed to avoid the big dogs. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, uh, we've all seen over the years how Portuguese teams tend to rise to the occasion when they're the underdogs. So uh, let's see if that will be the case again on Wednesday. That's that. That's the thing I was talking about. Sorry. Yeah. Somehow Porto are less of underdogs because Bayern Munich seem weaker, and that, that's when Portuguese teams usually don't do as well. Right. Yeah. So, in other words, uh, the logical conclusion is it's a shame for Porto. It would be better if Bayern were at absolutely full strength. <laughs> for in my my opinion, yes, absolutely. And I think it's the same with, for instance, the with the Celestin, etc. Whenever they're they're pitted in relatively easy groups they flounder when they have to play England Germany and Spain all together somehow they push through 
Yeah, yeah. Ah, very interesting. Okay, well, uh, now then, Vasco, in order for Porto to have a chance in the second leg, what result do they need on Wednesday? Uh, you know, let's have a look at this uh, logically. Uh, what result do you think they could get which would give them a chance in when they travel to Bavaria next week? Okay, if, if we're realistic, um, I mean, not not wishing for a 3 nil win or something, I mean, 1 nil uh, would give Porto some chance to progress, I think, because um, Bayern can sometimes struggle uh, when they've had to chase results over recent weeks. I mean, they, they are still able to control the match, but they are, at the moment, they're not the free-scoring machine that they used to be during the first half of the season. So uh, if Porto managed to uh, not concede, uh, I think it would be a, a very good result. I think Porto will score no matter what. Yeah, okay, okay. And of course, maybe, maybe Jackson Martinez will be back for the second leg. Yeah. Uh, he's not actually officially been ruled out of his first leg, uh, but like I said... Uh, He's, he hasn't played for a month, and so even if he does play, uh, can't really expect him to be at uh, full speed. Yeah. Okay, so that's great, Vasco. Uh, enjoy the match. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure you, you're looking forward to it. Yeah. And uh, I urge all of listeners to follow Vasco on Twitter. He's, you can uh, find him at Combination Play because he'll be tweeting live from the stadium, posting his thoughts. Uh, join the match and then of course uh, he'll be also providing a report for the site that's www.portogol.net p-o-r-t-u-g-o-a-l.net he'll be posting that after the game uh, Vasco thank you so much for your fantastic insight <laughs> as usual uh, thank, thank you so much Tom always great to be here okay good stuff and we'll talk again soon uh, with the second leg coming up just next week and that Benfica Porto game uh, just a few days after of course we'll be back for another pod uh, very soon so até lá